Galatians chapter 2, and I'll begin reading at verse 19. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia to um, correct any false teachings that were creeping in that said you need Christ and the keeping of the law. And and he was saying, no, it's Christ alone and nothing else. And um, and Christ fulfilled the law, and only in Him do we have righteousness. So that's the overall theme of Galatians. And in this, beginning at verse 19, For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain." Henry Morris said of Galatians 2.20, Here in Galatians 2.20 is the great secret of the Christ-honoring Christian life. And, And indeed it is. It is foundational truth that is represented here. And it is experimental truth. It is how it is worked out of our lives. And... He deals with it in the sense of Paul saying, it's no longer I who is living, but it's Christ. I died in Christ. I now have given my life over to Christ. And and he's saying it's not that I have to do things to be saved or to be a Christian. I am in Christ. It is through Christ, and we learn Christ through His Word, through obeying the truth. But the secret of Christian victory is that we have to die to ourselves, not even every day, moment by moment in our lives. And someone said, Galatians 2.20, that you need to put 220 volts to yourself every day, speaking of Galatians 2.20, to die to self. Now, to illustrate this, we're not, we're not having a lottery here today, all right, that you'd win a tandem bike, but um, could you put this down? I, I want to illustrate for us today that Galatians 2.20 is talking about this. We're brought into this world and, and we are equipped with everything that, that we need to move in this life, okay? But the reality is we are also equipped for something else. And we sense and feel that this is all up to me. But you've heard it said, and we've said it many times, God never intended you to go through life alone. And yet, we take off in life, and we're told you can be whatever you want to be, and if you're determined, you make up your mind, and you can do it, 
And if you add these various things into your life, if you put positive thinking on there, it'll take you a long way. Or we get to the point that we think, man, this is life. I have room to add all these things. And and we may even put a bucket on this seat and we add all these things and that will make my life go better. That will make my life go smoother. And, and we start adding all these things. But inside of every one of us, we were created with a God-sized hole. Meaning, it is a part of us that can only be filled by God. And one, that differentiates us from all other of God's creation. Animals don't have a God-sized hole. God breathed into us a living spirit. He, he made us in His image. Animals weren't made in the image of God. And we were made to fellowship with God. And, and we are equipped to have a place for God. Now, not just a place for God. We were made for God. So, there comes a point in life where we're confronted with that. We were made for God. And we can give mental assent to it, but the mental assent doesn't change anything in our life. I mean, nearly everybody that grows up in a Bible-believing church, for example, that grows up here, knows and can probably tell you... Um, God created the heaven and the earth. Mankind's sin. Sin separates us from God. Um, only Jesus Christ can forgive sin through His death, burial, and resurrection. And, and they can say all those things, but that doesn't put God in your life. There are many that will say to me, Jesus said in that day, didn't we do all these wonderful works? In fact, we cast out devils in your name. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not enough for me to say, yeah, I know all that. Give a mental assent. I, I might even agree with it. There must come a time in our lives where we personally say, I am the sinner that crucified you. It was my sins that you died for. And I need your forgiveness, and I believe only Jesus Christ can forgive my sins. And when we call upon Jesus Christ to forgive our sins, we become a new creation because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And I've asked Andrew to represent the Holy Spirit. So you come right there, okay? So I am like, oh man, this is... Immediately it brings a change in my life, right? Because I'm going along here and now I've got more pedal power, right? For one, I've got somebody I can talk to. This, this brings a radical change in my life. And, and it is. Once we trust Christ as Savior, it brings a great change in our life. But the fact of the matter is, 
He is not here to stay in that seat. See, in that seat, he is here for emergencies. He is here for consultation. Or I might say, hey, man, I'm, I'm good to go in life now because I know where I'm going. I've got God in my life, and, and I know I'm going to heaven. So whew, glad that's taken care of. I've got the life insurance policy. Things are good to go. The Holy Spirit isn't content with that. And we will never be content with that because no matter how life goes for me, I was not made for me to be in charge, but for God to be in charge, for the Holy Spirit to be in charge. So, we often view God as, hey, can you help me in this emergency? Or, can you give me, can you give me some wisdom? Or, here we go, God, I'm, I'm going to go down here and go off to the right. Will you bless that? And often we ask God to bless our plans and our desires. And, and often when we go and ask for wisdom, hey, what do you think? I'm thinking I'll go to the right. What do you think? And if he says, uh, I think go to the left. Really? Well, we'll see when we get up there. And we often go our own way. The reason we ask Him is we want Him to bless our ways. And then if He says, yeah, that's a good idea. Woohoo, man, I got God's blessing on this. But how many times does He not answer us or does He say something different and we still go our own way? And then we get bogged down in the mud, and we get off and we say, man, can you help me get out of here? And we sang, his mercies are new to us every day. And his mercies, he picks us up out of the mud, he puts us on the right road, and he gets going. But when, when I come to the point where I say, you know what? I can't do this. I can't run my own life. I can't do my own thing. We, we read, we read this morning from, from First Chronicles. You alone are God. You are the God of wisdom and might and power and majesty. You are the king. Wouldn't you want someone like that sitting in this seat? So, there comes a point that then I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be a Christian, but hey, I, I want you to, to lead my life. And, and yet, we die hard, don't we? So, he's leading, and I see he's wanting to go off this way, but I don't want to, so I'll lean this way, right? We, we know it, don't we? And, and so I'm leaning and I'll say, we talk to God. I don't know. I don't see how that will work. I don't see how that's in, in our best interest. I don't see how you'll be glorified in that, God. And it even comes to the point that he's peddling away and we're putting on the brakes. And, 
And sometimes when we put on the brakes, God just stops and says, okay, you want back up here? See, this is all the stuff that goes on that we're not even aware of. The Holy Spirit is the quiet member of the Trinity. And he says, you want to run this? Go ahead. And we don't, we don't even... We don't even recognize that what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, get out of there. Let me, we're, I mean, that's brazen, isn't it? But, but when we say to God, no, I'm not going to do that, then we're back. We're the one running the direction where we're going. We're the one that then, when we start going a direction he doesn't want, he quits pedaling. He's not going to empower us to violate His will. And sometimes we are bound and determined, and I'm, I'm not going to let anything stop me. And, and even in times like that, people come along and say, boy, you are determined. Boy, I really admire your endurance. And we may be doing something that the Holy Spirit says, this is not good. See, that's why it's important our relationship with God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when we put on the brakes, when, when we resist the Spirit, when we frustrate the working of God, the Holy Spirit says, okay, and we're not walking in the Spirit then. And as a result of that, we have a conflict in the Christian life. There is, there is no joy. There is no empowerment. It, it's like, it's like drudgery. You know, I better, better read my Bible. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, it's good to read the Bible, but if you don't obey it, if you're not doing what I want, if you're the one in charge, then there's a problem. And see, this, this exchange happens over and over and over again every day of our lives. I can say, okay, okay, I, I was wrong. You're, I want you to lead me as I'm going to work today. I want to walk in your spirit. And, and we go to work and the spirit is leading us. And then the one guy at work that trips our trigger every time comes up and on a mission to us, just goes out of his way to ruin our day, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit says, overcome evil with good. I'm sick of that guy, you know, and I'm back here and I'm, and I'm saying, forget that. This is what happens in our mind. And immediately, we're transferred again. I mean, this back and forth is going on in our life over and over again. And this is why Paul said, I have learned that it's no longer I who is living, but it's Christ who's living in me. This is me in my life, and it is Christ who is living in me. And the joy that comes in that. I can, I can get back here and I can rest in the fact this is the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful. He knows what He created me for 
and I can trust him. So here we are. He's in charge, and we're right here. We're just just looking into 2022. Oh, man. Boy, it, that looks pretty bad up there, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and that's true. Or we might be looking... I'm I'm a young parent and looking ahead. What what's going to come? And and you know what? When we start looking like this, then the bike gets shaky too, doesn't it? Or we might say, I don't know what my health is doing to me. I cast all my care upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time I don't know what to do. I cast all my care upon you. Do you do you realize the the best the best place is right here. I can go along. I don't need to worry about what the future is, what lies ahead of us. That's his job. On a human standpoint, on a bicycle built for two, he's the one that is leading. It's his responsibility to lead us the right way. In life, it's God. If I put him in the place, in the driver's seat, and then I can relax in that. I can rest in this. And that's why it says, the fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit is leading my life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The fruit of the Spirit, I can go along and enjoy the scenery. I can, I can truly enjoy life. Why? He's got it. He will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, He will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he's got it. He's the one. He's the one that's running the gears, running the brakes, running the direction. I am back here. And so the Apostle Paul says, hey, I'm right. He can take his hands off. This doesn't do anything. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who liveth in me. And... Oh boy, it looks like we're going down a steep hill. Those of you that had older brothers, did you ever ride behind them? Not like this. We didn't have this. We stood on the axles, right? And you said, don't be going down there. Or they're going off a curb. You know, you brace yourself for what's coming. And there's times in our life that we're looking over God's shoulder And we're bracing and we're saying, don't go down there. But you know what? He knows perfectly what we can handle. He gives all the grace. And we can rest in the fact. We can have genuine peace knowing, boy, it looks like we're going to get stuck if we go down there. But he knows. And we don't need to bail off. We don't need to be filled with fear. We don't, we don't need any of that anxiety. And it comes realizing God is in charge. We often say God is in control and we're thinking of, of the world. We're thinking of this coming year. We're thinking of all of that. 
But are we letting God be in control of our life? And this is the one thing we can control. And he, he wants to be in control. And, and there is relief in knowing, hey, it's no longer me. It's the Holy Spirit. I can rest in Him. He'll give me direction. He'll give me peace. He'll, He'll provide. And, and this is, this is why many times as Christians we don't have joy. Because we don't really trust Him. And this is why it's so important that we get to know Him. Because when we know Him, then we will trust Him. And the more we know Him, and when the more we know His character, it, it's like, hey, I'm on for the ride. Let's go. And when you see God in every circumstance of life, it makes life the greatest adventure. You may think, I don't know where we're going, but I'm hanging on, Lord. And there may come dark valleys that you can't even hold on, but He will hold me fast. We are kept by the power of God. And, and so, God's design is, if you'll, if you'll let me lead, you, you can be at peace. You can have joy. You can have the fruit of the Spirit. But it's a continual thing. And, and I, I just picture Paul writing this and pictured in this sense. He's just going along this huge smile. Man, it is no longer me that's living. Yeah! It's Christ who's living in me. And, and the joy that we can have in knowing that. But it's something that continually we battle. And, and even, even, I wish that once we gave him control, it was done. But every moment, it's yielding. It's no longer I, but Christ. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus went through the same thing. He said, if it be possible, let's not go down this road. Nevertheless, He got back here. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Peter, the same thing. Fishing all night, catching nothing. And Jesus Christ came along and said, cast him on the other side. And Peter's in charge. And he says, I'm the fisherman. We've been out there all night. There's no fish there. And then he says, wait a minute. Nevertheless, at your will... And the joy when Peter got in the back seat, the joy, abundant fish and to the glory of God. And in our life, our lack of joy comes because we're sitting up here. And we're trying to control this and trying to control that. And we're not letting God be God. And many times as Christians, we sit back here and we try to influence it. Like I said, leaning one way, hitting the brakes, pedaling faster. We got to get through this. And God said, slower down. And it's learning to submit to him. So 
this has been an illustration that's been working on my mind, and I believe that Galatians 2.20, Paul really spelled it out. When we let the Holy Spirit lead, you know what? There's even times when you're sitting here, you don't even have to pedal. It's the Holy Spirit that carries us. And you get to enjoy where he is taking us. So you can lean that over there. I just want to make a few applications from here to make sure that that we get it. it it's so important that we realize... <clears throat> Um, as Hudson Taylor said of this, he, he was the first one that we know of that called it the exchanged life. I'm exchanging running it to letting God run it. And Hudson Taylor said, none of us can ever live the Christian life in our own strength. We can't. And, and none of us, can resist temptation in our own willpower and determination. And none of us can, can live as we ought with just our own efforts. It's only through Jesus Christ. But the applications, four applications, we must realize from the very beginning we are missing something. We have an empty place in our lives, and every person has an empty place. And you may look at someone, and they're cruising through life, and it looks like they have everything. They have their, their perfect farm or acreage or home. They have new vehicles. They have this. They have that. If they don't have God, they have an empty place that will continue to haunt them through eternity, if they don't fill it with God. And nothing else can fill it. Religion, church, nothing else can fill it. We are, we are missing something. And to realize Jesus Christ is not here for just eternity or emergencies. I fear many times in Christianity we view Christ as a spare tire. When, when something goes wrong, then we'll use him. Or it, it's, it's here to guarantee I'm going to heaven, but, but let, me, let me run this bike. Let me run this show. And, and I want you to bless it. I'm going to try to follow you. No, it's Christ is all. He, he is, thirdly, He is to be the one to lead, empower, and be Lord. That's his rightful place. It is not enough. Yeah, I've got God in my life. I've, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. You want to know what this process is of getting him from being in our life to being the master of our life? It's called pro progressive sanctification. It's God molding us to be like Christ. And the more we yield to the Spirit and let Him be in charge, the more we'll be like Christ. And Christ's rightful place is to lead, 
right here. He's the one that's determining the directions and things in our life. It is to empower us. Too many of us as Christians try to live the Christian life in our own power. It is the Spirit of God that empowers us. And He is to be Lord. He Lord means master. Lord means what He says goes. To the point that we say, Nevertheless, at your will, Lord. Whatever you say. And, and that's where the dying process comes in. And our job is to trust, obey, and enjoy His leadership in our lives. Trust and obey and enjoy His leadership in our life. In the third century, there was a man that was anticipating death, and he penned these words, his last words, to a friend. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. Do you understand? God may lead through persecution, but it's still possible to have joy. And he said they are despised, they are persecuted, but they care not. Why? God is with me. He's the one leading. If he leads me through this, glory to his name. In World War II, a prison camp, indescribable starvation and misery. Um, The prisoners were literally walking skeletons, yet they were driven out every day to do heavy labor. Thousands of them died with cholera and diseases. Um, You can only imagine the morale of the camp plummeted to the bottom. There was nothing left. Hopelessness, a hideous situation. They lived in filth and squalor. um, Walked about as living dead people. And an individual tells that he himself descended through the disease to the weakness and his body was taken out and laying amongst the corpses. Though he was still alive, he was laid there to die. In that camp, there were a couple of people who entertained a deep faith in God. These men began quietly in the midst of the darkest hour of the camp to exercise a little faith, a little love, and to do things for one another. Gradually, this little effort of theirs started to spread and others became involved. They organized a massage team to go around and massage one another's legs to try to restore health to their members and and try to get them back working. Gradually, this spirit spread from one to another. 
And gradually it transformed the camp. And faith and joy and hope sprang into being again. They organized an orchestra. They made their own instruments. And finally had a 40-piece orchestra. They organized a church. They began a Bible study. And the man who led the study had been a skeptic all his life. He was the teacher. And he began to see the working of, of this power of, of the work of God. The whole camp was transformed. And though the outward circumstances were totally unchanged, it was as hostile, their, their people in charge of the camp were as cruel as ever, the work was as heavy as ever, The disease was as rampant, yet the spirit of these men was literally transformed and they became joyous, happy, victorious individuals. Why? Because it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. It's it's not the circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances, when we know that God is the one leading us, We can rest in His provision. We can rest in His care. We can be obedient. So these two individuals that obeyed the Spirit and started just one simple act of of kindness, one simple act of caring for others, there's no telling how God can use it. None of us knows what this year holds. None of us knows what today holds. But if we exchange our life and put it where it belongs, then we can know true joy. Then we can know true peace. Then we can know regardless of what may come, we can rest in Him. And our job is to trust and obey and enjoy. I fear many times we trust. And we obey, but we don't enjoy. Something's wrong. When we really come to see God's got it, man, I am along for the ride. Let's go. And the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me.